Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 28 of Dean Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me is the man voted most likely to go on a road trip, Ben Bumhopper. Wow, that's one that I haven't heard before. That, you know, not bad, not bad. Uh, I do actually enjoy a road trip now and then, especially if it's to, you know, oh, I don't know, the Magic Kingdom or whatever. But uh, yeah, I I actually quite enjoy it. Just driving around with uh, loved ones, listening to music, laughing all the way. It's good stuff. Yeah. And going around in a car is about all you can do these days. Yeah, pretty much. So <laughs> you have to drive one place, then turn right back around and drive <laughs> some more. <laughs> That's right. Um, and if you if you didn't guess from my uh, snappy little intro, we're going to be talking about road trips today, oh specifically my. the D and D kind. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, for for our DM discussion tonight, we're going to be talking about road encounters and travel. And this is uh, a really interesting thing because at some point. It won't always happen, but more likely than not, at some point in your game, your character, your your player characters are going to have to go somewhere. And mm-hmm. that somewhere is probably not going to be right next to where they are now. And unless you're running a very high-level campaign and your characters are teleporting around everywhere <laughs> they want to go... Um, you'll most likely have some sort of travel time or potentially even a a travel session or two. And so there's, there's definitely some bits and pieces in player's handbook, the, the DM's guide of like travel time, like how, how far you can travel in a day, like horse and, and wagon and stuff like that. Um, But there's not necessarily a whole lot of guidance about what to do. And so we're going to kind of talk a little bit about that tonight. So, so Ben, why don't you, why don't you kick us off? Like how, how do you do travel in your games and what are, what are some good uh, starting tips for like a travel session? Well, first and foremost, um, the, the thing you kind of need to figure out is actually, you know, what kind of distance are you talking about? Uh, I know that when I made my, you know, just small region that they were playing in, I'm like, okay, well, I don't want these towns to be right next to each other because that just doesn't really make sense. Otherwise, you know, why do I have more than one town? So, you know, I kind of started putting a couple days travel. I started thinking, okay, if we're talking in terms of uh, they're in a wagon or on a horse and and things like that, just kind of, you know, put it in, in how many days per travel. I didn't actually ever come up with a distance. In fact, I still don't have an exact distance between these places which I probably should figure out at some point, but um, it, it's one of those things where I, I wanted to make sure that it, it was something that was kind of lived in. And I really didn't do this very often uh, it, earlier when I was, you know, kind of getting back into the whole DM chair and, and figuring these things out. Whereas we've been playing for a while, they're actually really getting a huge amount of travel time in to get to certain places now. So I'm like, okay, well, I can't just have every single thing be, okay, well, um, you're there now. You know, it's like, it, it, it makes the world feel empty. It makes it feel like the travel is not really worthwhile. It doesn't matter. And uh, so I've, I've started going in and kind of peppering things of, you know, just different events, different ideas and, and things that I want to do. And one of the big things is, is you know, any sort of encounter that's going to happen, I need to make sure that it's going to make sense for the kind of world that I've built. You know, I don't want to have them, you know, just going down the road, heading towards the town and everybody's happy, go lucky. And then all of a sudden, you know, a demon pops out of the forest and goes and just starts attacking them. Unless in some way in my world, it makes sense that there's like demons all over the place or something along those lines. You know, especially when you're looking at um, some, some lower level travel and stuff, you don't want to just totally blow their minds with this big giant boss level challenge. It's just you know, put it into perspective of regular people also have to travel these roads, not just like adventurers. And that can be kind of a challenge when you're trying to find something that is engaging enough as well as, you know, uh, something that, that is worthwhile for the, the players to actually deal with. 
Oh yeah, totally. And <clears throat> finding appropriate uh, types of things for the environment is it's sometimes a challenge. It's much easier at lower levels because it's just like, okay, packs of wolves, a bear or two, like mm-hmm. wild animals just in general are going to be far more of a threat to, to your lower level party. Once your party is past level five, six, wild animals probably not going to be a major threat. And so you it's we've talked about this before every once in a while sometimes it's fun to throw a challenge at them that you know is underpowered just so that they can kind of feel their their strength the feel feel Mm -hmm. the the power they've gained over time but that's not something you want to do super often because that's not challenging again either yeah and so you have to you have to kind of kind of fit the the type and so um but before we get into that a little more, there's there's a few types of ways that you can go about doing uh, travel type encounters. You've got the, um, all right, we're going to clock every single day and we're going to do, you know, two or three checks every single night and we, we're going to map this out and this is going to take you eight days to get from A to B and we're going to run all eight of those days. Mm-hmm. It's one way to do it. Another way to do it is um, you kind of kind of have the middle ground of that where you run a day or two um, to kind of give them the feeling of, of traveling time. Uh, maybe nothing happens one or two of those days because you don't necessarily want every single them to be expecting something to happen every single time if something Mm -hmm. happens every single night or you only focus on the (laughs) you only focus on the times where things do happen then it takes a little bit away from the story and the the journey aspect of it but then again that is the third way to do it you basically montage the travel Mm -hmm. and they go for a little while and then you say oh and you encounter something this night or you encounter something on the road or something like that and so your travel is only the events that happen along the way so you have to find find your balance find what works best for the type of group you're running um as far as encounters go though Travel is a great time, not only for combat encounters, but also to introduce social encounters. Mm-hmm. Um, this, is, this is actually one of my favorite things about travel time because a lot can happen on the road. You, there's potentially a lot of interesting people that are traveling that you could meet or uh, situations that you could come across that may or may not involve combat, may involve decision-making, may involve um, just uh, something to do with the character, like this character likes to help people out and stuff like that. And even though they're kind of side things, they, they can also make memorable moments. At the same time, it makes your world feel, feel lived in and it uh, gives a sense of time and travel as you go distance. So there's a lot of different lists. Um, There's a lot of different uh, types of things you can do to get good combat or social encounters. And on dndiscussions.com, when this episode goes live, we're actually going to link several lists of um, potential, like list of a hundred random road encounters. Mm-hmm. Or something like that, and a lot of these are aren't huge, but they're meant to spark ideas, like escape prisoner manacled carrying a religious icon. Okay, how can you turn that into something interesting? Overturned wagon with injured merchant. Okay, <laughs> bored elderly gnome with a curious mechanical toy. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can go so far as uh, a naked bard asks for a lift to the nearest town where he left his clothes and money. Or, yeah, uh, and there could be a super interesting story mm-hmm. <laughs> as they go. Yep, an arrow hits a nearby trunk, a message ra- is wrapped around the shaft. I mean, there's, there's so many different things that you can do. And 
you know, kind of play around with. And I mean, these lists that, that we're sharing are just the, the bare minimum of an idea that you can build upon as much as you want or as little as you want. Um, one thing that I'll definitely just kind of point out though, is that you don't really want, you know, just a, a travel encounter to become your main objective or your main story because you are still, you know, hoping that your party is going towards their goal. They're, they're heading towards a place that, you know, you want them to end up, but having a nice little side quest here or there and everything can be a lot of fun and, you know, could just be kind of a, a great way to uh, have a session and have some fun when, you know, a, a member of your party isn't actually able to make it, you know, um, or just, you know, give them a little bit of time between, Hey, we just killed the last big bad evil guy. We're on the road to the next big encounter and stuff. Just, you know, pepper in some fun in there. Uh, you know, uh, video game RPGs do this all the time to kind of break up the, the, the huge encounters and just, you know, give a little dose of humor or just, you know, a little side quest that's, you know, completely ignorable and has no effect on the grand story or, you know, could, who knows, reward them with something, uh, you know, that uh, really proves that uh, the destination is not always the most important thing. It's about the journey, not the destination. Exactly. I couldn't Thank remember you, the exact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I know there's something about that. I can't place it what it is right now. But journey yeah, so before yeah. destination. <laughs> oh, yeah. One of my favorite book series. Um, yeah. And it's, and as a DM, usually travel encounters are much lighter on the prep side. Um, so these can actually be, in some ways, good breaks for you uh, because it's very easy to turn a, a travel into, into an entire session and have some interesting things in there. But as a DM, not have to go overboard in, in your prep for it. And so this can actually be really good. And I've used this once or twice in my time DMing uh, where travel sessions were just when, whenever I was playing more often, when you're only playing like once every, every month or two, you've got plenty of prep time <laughs> for, mm -hmm. for just about anything. But when you're playing like every week or every other week, uh, sometimes those types of sessions can be really helpful because they're light for you. And then they give you more time to work on your larger story. Um, even if the, the travel session has nothing to do with your, your overarching theme. Exactly. And uh, so speaking of some of these travel sessions and stuff, it, it could be any sort of travel that you're doing, uh, whether you are, you know, on the road having, you know, fun, just chumming it up with your buddies in a, a, a wagon or something along the lines of, uh, let's say you're taking a ship somewhere. You know, there, there's plenty of encounters that can actually happen on a ship as well. You know, whether it's, you know, fishing for, for dinner that day versus like a Hydra attack or, a, um, you know, you see other ships. Maybe there's just, you know, random trade going on. You know, plenty of different stuff for something as small as that. Heck, even an airship, there's different encounters. You know, maybe you're going to be sightseeing some birds just for fun. Maybe a pterodactyl flies over and no one's ever seen one before, you know fun stuff. Yeah, I totally agree. To introduce, it's a, it's a great way to introduce some things that may not fit into, into your normal sessions. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, some of my, some of my wackiest, <laughs> wackiest things have, have been with road encounters. Um, to give, to give a fun example. Um, and I've, I've used uh, this guy in both the campaigns I run that are, are in my world. And uh, his name is Hubbard, and he's a traveling discount spell scroll salesman. <laughs> and I usually have him meet parties fairly early on, and he sells discount spell scrolls. And, of course, it's, it's always a fun social encounter because, especially early on, everyone's just like, oh, spell scrolls. Oh, that's really cool. Oh, oh man, and this is, and we can afford this. And all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's fun because he's, he's kind of a kooky old man, a little, little bit eccentric um, and very, very serious about, about his wares. 
And so uh, he sells these discount spell scrolls and they never do quite what he claims they'll do. Like a scroll of fireball that is actually only 46 instead of 86 and smells like burning hair <laughs> when you cast it or a scroll of teleportation that teleports you and nothing else. Meaning uh, all, all your, your items drops. and everything. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, my, the, in my, in my smaller campaign, uh, my second campaign, uh, what my barbarian fighter used it and uh all of his stuff gone just dropped to the ground appeared in front of the bad guy completely naked and he punched him and it was uh it was just such a wonderful moment that was only made possible by hubbard's discount spell scrolls <laughs> that's pretty awesome uh, we had a there's there's one that did an enlarge spell but uh when used, I make the player roll a d4 uh, to determine if he, the um, items, arms, legs, or head is enlarged. Just those. Just those, though. Uh, nothing else. And so uh, one of my players used it, rolled a, rolled a d4, got the head, it turned into basically a giant bobblehead for 10 <laughs> minutes. So that was, that was super fun. And so there's just lots of, lots of fun things like that. So you can, you can do all sorts of fun things, but that's just in a, like, it's not a combat encounter. It's just a, a traveling salesman um, that you can use and it gives you a nice little, uh, little encounter. Yeah. I got to uh, just call out one of these fantastic lists that we have uh, is four goblins, one on each other's shoulders, wearing a trench coat, uh, you know, standing next to a wagon, trying to lure people in to rob them. <laughs> I love the idea of just, you know, like, like the total uh, comic or little kid cartoon where, you know, they're on each other's shoulders and doing the, 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 the tall person or, or, uh, for lack of a better description, doing a Muppet man with yeah, know, yeah, yeah. everybody up there. No. And that doesn't even have to end in combat. No, not at all. Necessarily. <laughs> Some, sometimes very fun NPCs can be born out of just these little random road encounter. Mm-hmm. Type exactly. Exactly. But, fun stuff. Yeah. No. So, uh, Make sure to uh, check out dndiscussions.com. Check out some of these lists. Hopefully, they will inspire you. They uh, have definitely inspired me to several different road encounters. Mm-hmm. Um, and he- here a little later in the show, I'll, uh, I've got one game coming up on Saturday that I'm running. And uh, it's, a, it's actually a travel no good. session. So I'll talk a little bit about that as well and, and kind of what my plans are. And remember, if you see something you like, steal it and make it your own. Exactly. Right, um, that's, that's D&D. One last thing about Travel Encounters too is that, um, you know, little social encounters, combat encounters, everything like that is really great and it can be a lot of fun. But remember, this is also a time where you can, you know, kind of pepper in more lore or storytelling about your world itself. Um, you know, have people just traveling the, from the other direction and everything and have them talk about what's going on in a city or two, you know, down the road, you know, help uh, build up your world a little bit more if you want to, or again, just, you know, have them be just traveling salesmen trying to sell, um, you know, magical vacuums or something. <laughs> that's, that's actually a really good point because um, to kind of on, on the flip side of what you're talking about travel sessions can actually be are they can they can uh, bring about very good character moments mm-hmm. uh sitting around a campfire talking about stuff make sure that you give your players those opportunities to just kind of sit chill and talk either about you know their own stuff what's going on in your in your story in your greater story or uh, something like that, um, they can be very good moments. Not everyone necessarily wants to do that. And that's fine. If no one, you know, takes the bait <laughs> to, to start getting involved in conversation or anything, um, that's fine. Then you can just say, yeah, sleep for the night, 
people keep and watch, whatever. It's all, it's all good, but make sure you give and allow that opportunity so that the players can have that because that's um, very good world building and story building. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I mean, that could be at downtime. That could be during watch. Um, it, it could be just even on the road itself. I mean, there's plenty of time. I mean, you've been on a road trip before, you know how there's plenty of downtime to just talk and discuss and have some fun. D and D where a three minute combat can take hours and a <laughs> 10 day road trip can take minutes. Minutes. Yep. <laughs> It's just, it's just how it goes. It's, yeah. it's always funny, funny how that works out. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> and yeah, if you have any good stories of uh, like travel stuff or what you do for travel encounters, let us know. We'd love to, we'd love to hear it and then yeah. steal it for our own games. Exactly. And I mean, uh, on top of that too, there's a couple different ways to actually dole them out. You know, like you said, kind of plan it out and everything. You can have whoever's leading role for it and um, just, you know, have a whole bunch of random stuff ready and see how the world gets populated. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. See what sticks. It's a good, it's a good time to experiment. Exactly. Stuff and see, see what sticks, what doesn't, what people seem to like, what people um, seem to like edge away from. Mm -hmm. Very much so. All right. Um, Shifting gears a little bit to our player perspective. We wanted to talk just a little bit about player habits that can help your DM out. Um, Sometimes people just aren't aware of these. Sometimes people are new. Sometimes people just get wrapped up in their stuff and and forget. Uh, We are both DMs and both players. And so it's kind of speaking from from both directions. Uh, It's interesting to see what helps me out and what I can do to help my DM out as, as we're playing. So we just kind of wanted to kind of uh, do a little back and forth and, and talk through some of the things that can help you help your DM have a better game, essentially. Yeah, and um, all the other players, too. Yeah, and all the other players. So first off, scheduling. Scheduling is always, okay, maybe, maybe not always for those blessed few, but for... <laughs> For me and my group, scheduling has never been super easy. So to help your DM out, give them a list of times you are available. Like that is, that, that is one of like the easiest things you can do to help them out. Because if all the players give the DM, hey, this is my schedule of availability for the next week or two. And then DM can look at that and go, oh, cool. Looks like everyone is free at this time and this time, and I'm free at this time. Great. Boom. We have a session scheduled. One of the easiest things you can do. And every time people especially freely give that information, ugh. <laughs> just, just love it. Just love yeah. it. It works out incredibly well. Because um, generally, from what people find in you know, most practices, is the DM is the one who usually schedules it. Because they're able to kind of, you know, know how much time they need for prep. They're able to, you know, determine when the best date works for them because believe it or not, DMing can be actually really stressful. Even though it's a day of fun, there's still that added pressure on top of them. So giving them the chance to kind of look at it and see what's going to work is the best way to do it. So once you've got everything scheduled, once you're there, once everybody's all gung ho, when it's time or when it's time for that session to happen, be there on time, but even better be there a little early because you have this time set aside in order to play for everybody to be there. It's one of those unwritten things of, you know, be respectful to everybody around you who's going to be in there with you by not wasting their time. And it it seems like that's kind of just a, a really simple, easy, of course, but uh, there are some people out there who don't really look at it as that, you know, Oh, I'm just going to go hang out with my friends. Like, yeah, you are, but you're also getting together to do something as opposed to just, you know, go hang out and, you know, getting a couple drinks or something. There, there's a start time and that's really what you're aiming for. Yep. hundred percent. Uh, Cause time is precious, mm-hmm. especially when you're an adult time is precious 
And so being able to start on time and get, get a full session in is, is just nice for everybody. Next one is, and this is a little less relevant currently since we are in a worldwide pandemic, but whenever that finally gets under control and you can go back to your home games again, as a player, bring snacks. Yeah. Like the DM, the DM has a lot on their plate. Like they're prepping the whole game. All the player has to worry about is their character. So if you can be helpful and players just pitch in, each bring a snack to share. That's one of the easiest things you can do. And it's, it's super nice because uh, a lot of times food equals fellowship. <laughs> and so, and that just having, having some snacks around the table um, and getting together, it's just one less thing the DM has to think about because normally, especially if you're getting together for a home game, you're probably going to run several hours worth of time. So having some snacks um, and even a few healthy snacks. Uh, yeah. Someone bring that vegetable plate. You heard exactly. <laughs> Make sure there's a thing of ranch in the middle. It can't be too healthy. No, but, of course not. Of course not. Uh, but just having some, uh, having some snacks that definitely takes uh, an item off, off the DMs, DMs plate. Yeah. And just to even add on top of that too, um, snacks doesn't necessarily always mean snacks. I mean, there's drinks, there's, you know, uh, paper plates, plasticware, napkins, stuff like that. Just the, the idea behind it is, you know, contribute in whatever way you can. Snacks is a great way to do it because everybody, for the most part, unless there's like, you know, food allergies or something uh, that can completely ruin someone's day, uh, you know, might be a, a little hard, but hopefully those people kind of speak up so everybody knows what's going on. Um, but yeah, overall contributing, being there as like a member of a group, as opposed to just someone who kind of shows up, rolls some dice and then leaves really just helps the cohesiveness of the group itself, much less, you know, like in game as well as out of game. And I think that's a, a very, very important thing. That being said as well, um, again, one of the, I mean, all of these things are important, but I think this one is probably like one of the top, if not the top, and that's to be engaged. So this means when you're playing, when you're at the table, when you're doing everything, you're paying attention, you know, what's going on. Um, you're not on Facebook updating, you know, reading Twitter, seeing what's going on, um, watching YouTube videos, uh, you know, Again, the DM works very hard to get a narrative and everything going. It's a good idea to pay attention so that you know, you know, other characters' backstories, how they react to things. You get to understand their characters. And much more so, during combat, it's, combat doesn't work this way. It's not, it's my turn and then I wait. It, combat is, okay, what's everybody else doing? What's available to me? How can I contribute to this? So as the, the initiative order goes through, you're able to you know, know what's going on, be aware of like who's taking damage and everything, and then on the fly, change your plan based on what someone else might do. You know, if it's your turn, you go, and then you're like, okay, next turn, I'm just gonna attack the next thing. And then you're not paying attention at all. And then it's your turn again, and you look, oh, that thing's dead. Oh, now I have to figure out if I'm close enough for this, if I can move over there or everything like that. It's very important to just stay focused, keep an eye on what's going on and be engaged. Yes, very, very much so. And that, that goes doubly now as a lot of games have moved online. Uh, it's, I've, I've definitely found it's far easier to be distracted uh, playing a virtual game mm -hmm. than it is like at an in-person home game. And so uh, just make sure you're doubly careful about that, especially if you're, you're playing online because there are a lot more um, distractions that can be had. But if everyone is focused and engaged, you're going to get a lot more done. You're going to get a lot more done faster. And um, you're all going to have a better time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, when I first played tabletop games, I loathed combat because I was a teenager and nobody was paying attention. So a combat would take maybe three hours. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, with so much time in between so many people going, it was just, you know, it was the worst part of the game for me. Oh, never no, enjoyed it. no question. Uh, the, the very first home game I played in, that was rampant. It was like, you know, anywhere six or six or seven people trying to play very little paying attention. And so every single turn was a, okay, what happened? Okay. I do this, this, this. And then the next person, Oh, it's my turn. Okay. Yeah. And it, the monotony just was absolutely terrible. And I, I just hated every, every bit of it. Like it was, one of those things where, oh man, I'm playing D and I'm playing with other people in person. This is super fun. That kept me playing that game probably far longer than I I would have <laughs> otherwise. But yeah, in the end, the the lack of focus and the lack of engagement killed it for me. Definitely. And so it is. It's very important. And kind of going on with uh, staying focused and engagement. Uh, take notes. Now you don't have to you don't have to write a book <laughs> the whole time and uh over note taking can actually detract mm-hmm. from the game itself so you have to be careful um and you have to find a balance there as with all things but it's it's great to have a little notebook or a word document or something if you're playing online um where you can jot down quick notes little you know uh short sentences short phrases uh especially things that are relevant to your character. Now, if you're someone who just takes notes on everything, kudos to you because that is, that is above and beyond. That is usually too much for me, but if it's something to do with your character and it's something that might be important, try and remember to make a note of it because it is not the DM's job to constantly remind you of everything you've seen and heard mm-hmm. unless you have the keen mind feet then sucks to be the <laughs> pretty much and <laughs> but <laughs> I, I mean going on top of that too is that you know note taking is like like ryan said completely your responsibility and you can do it through your character's eyes you can do it through just things that are happening if a bunch of lore drops may make some notes you know they're what's the best way to put this? There's not a whole ton that the DM says that is like just kind of arbitrary. Now, you know, maybe just small details about things or like, Oh, it's a forest or whatever. Don't be like a forest, you know, but if he talks about, you know, how old the forest is and how there used to be uh, rituals done in there, maybe that's something to kind of write down and keep track of because, you know, sometimes lore is there as lore. Sometimes it can actually, you know, completely fall into what's going on or give you hints about something that might be coming in the future. You never know. Yeah, no, for sure. That's a, and as a, as a DM, um, you kind of got to, got to read your group to see who's, what, what, the, the type of players you have and the engagement level as a DM, I personally do recaps for my games. Yeah. Because I don't feel like there's enough people in my group or anyone in my group who would really be good at doing that or would really want to do that. So I I've taken that responsibility on me. Sometimes it's good though to have players write the recaps if that's the, the kind of group you're in or even do a round Robin. Um, uh, and take turns doing the recaps for the session because that can help them cement knowledge that was given in the session in your players' minds, which yeah. is which is great. Um, yeah, but personally, yeah, notes are notes are just really good. Yeah, I'm a recap kind of person too. I just you know sometimes if I think that uh, you know I failed in in giving the importance of of something, it's how it can kind of just kind of poke that in a little bit more and be like, Oh, and this happened because of this and you're doing this and stuff. Plus I think it helps too, because uh, there are a lot of times where sessions aren't just back to back or even week to week. And even in a week you can lose some of those details. So yeah, that's just what I do, but you're right. 
having players do that sometimes totally works. And if you have someone who's a super duper note taker, it's something that they can do and, you know, act, uh, gives them a little bit more responsibility, which that being yeah. said, there's a couple different things that as a DM, you can pass on to players to kind of put them into it a little bit more. And I see that you do have it in your notes. I'm totally stealing it and moving forward with it, but uh, tracking the initiative. Now, when I play, I usually track it myself, but um, I've also been in a group where the DM had me actually track the initiative for everybody. It totally freed them up for different things that they needed to do, especially when they're running a whole bunch of different mobs and monsters and everything. And it, it has more of an engaging aspect for me because as a player, I'm totally tuned into whose turn it is, what's going on, who's doing what. And it kind of gives, you know, again, some breathing room to the DM itself. Oh, totally. Like I, th and that's, it, it's such a great example. Initiative is one of, um, one of the perfect things you as a DM can pass off to your player during combat because your player is only playing one time per five or mm -hmm. one time per six or something like that. And so it's, they've got like lots of time on their hand between turns and yes, they're paying attention. So if they can track the initiative that frees you up a little bit more to focus on what you're doing as you may be going many times interspersed between your players. Mm -hmm. Hey, quick, just a quick question for you. Um, when you have, you know, multiple mobs and everything, do you give like, like things the same initiative or do you actually split everything out? I, if the mobs are of the same type, so like goblins or, or orcs or displacer beasts or something like that, yeah. and you have multiple of the same type, I usually run them on the same initiative. Okay. To make it easier on myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm stupid and do it the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can do it both ways. Um, oh, yeah, and, and totally. There's nothing wrong with doing it either way. Uh, so normally, if... The only times I don't do that are when the, the things are bigger. So like if I'm running two hill giants and like a fire giant or something, which was actually uh, an encounter that happened, I ran all three of those on, on different initiatives. Yeah, when it's something huge like that, you definitely don't want to be like, okay, I'm doing all my devastating attacks on this one person in one round and they have no chance of healing whatsoever. Um, yeah, yeah, that can get kind of rough. Yeah. It can get kind of rough. Um, but yeah, like you can, you can do it either way, whatever way seems more manageable to you. Mm -hmm. um, another good thing, and this kind of goes along with uh, the whole combat and everything, is know your character mm -hmm. and know the rules for your character. If you're brand new, you can get a little bit of a pass on this uh, and you can ask for help and, uh, hopefully people will be readily available to, to help you or, or correct you or, or offer advice. But after you've been playing for several weeks, you should know your stuff. You don't want to always be looking and reading up on what your character can do because it's not the DM's responsibility to one, know your character just as good as you. Uh, or offer advice of what to do or constantly um, have to look up something for you. Um, I know personally, and I'm probably a DM who does delve um, deeper in. So I do know a lot of the classes at least somewhat. Um, but it's very nice as a DM to be able to, when someone says, I do this and the, the DM says, okay, what does that do? You should be able to tell the DM. Mm -hmm. the dm shouldn't have to go look it up and so it's it's just one of those kind of common courtesies you've only got one character and you're only responsible for one thing so make sure that you take the time and learn that one thing and learn your abilities and your your features yeah and to piggyback off of that and it's it's essentially saying the same thing but know your spells uh, definitely read them. And it, while you're trying to figure out what you're doing and stuff, read your spell, 
That's important. Even if you think you know how everything works, read it again. Um, that's one thing that I constantly end up looking up and everything just because uh, for my own sake, I like to know and understand it because sometimes the way that the wording can work is it's very specific to the spell. Other times it's, you know, a lot more generalized. Like a healing spell is, oh, they get this much healing. Great. Whereas, you know, some sort of other spell, like a, a damaging spell where, uh, you know, my monster needs to make a dexterity save. Okay. Um, that's good to know. What happens if they succeed? What happens if they fail? Um, like if there's a charm effect, that's very important to know how often can I save from that and things like that. So understanding how a lot of that works is going to help a ton, but even more so it's good to know just for your own right so that you know if it's an appropriate spell to cast or not. Yep. Yeah, very much so. It's just all around, just know your character. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly helpful for, for your DM because they've got a lot of other rules they're trying to keep in their head. They've got a lot of like monsters and stuff that they have to have all got their own abilities and stuff that they've, they've got to, to worry about. So make sure that they don't have to worry about your character too. Exactly. And I'll, I'll tell you as a DM, I constantly forget things that my monsters can do and different features and stuff. So yeah, any help is, is good help. Yeah, for sure. And kind of going, um, right along with that too. Um, arguing with the DM. And so this is, this is kind of a, this is kind of a, a, a touchy topic sometimes because there's going to be times when um, you're right and the DM's wrong about mm -hmm. a rule. It will happen. This is it will happen. DMs. And that's fine. That's totally fine. Um, there's going to be times when something comes up and neither you nor the DM know exactly, and the DM's going to make a ruling on it. Uh, that ruling may not be correct based on the rules, or you may not like that ruling. That's fine. That's going to happen too. It really is. Um, if that happens, though, don't try to turn it into a big argument in the middle of a game or in the middle of combat. This is, that's, that is something that can slow games down horridly. Yeah, it's, it's just a different type of combat. Yeah, it's, it's something that, again, that, that first home game I was in happened way too often. when and, and one of the players was the DM's son or whatever. And, of course, they, they bashed heads. Yeah very often because of a ruling or something. And it's, it's one of those things. Yes. There's going to be things at some point you're probably not going to agree with. And you can mention them quickly and say, Oh, uh, are you sure this didn't, does, doesn't work like that? Or, uh, I think the rule says this, or, uh, that doesn't seem fair because of this. And that's fine. You can voice those. If the DM goes, Oh yeah, you're right. That's cool. We'll, we'll, we'll roll that back or, Oh, you've got a point. Okay. We'll do that. Or, Oh, I didn't know that rule. Thanks for, for bringing it up. If they say no and you're, you're still, you're still mad about it or you're still want to contest or something, that's fine. Put a pin in it, wait till after the session and then start the discussion for any time that might happen in the future. Exactly. And especially with the way that um, some things can kind of stack or affect other things, uh, you might be looking at a very specific component in like an ability or a spell or something when there are 20 other things that are actually overriding that based off of something that the DM knows that's going on or they're not able to put into words exactly how it, it's not going to work or, you know, how they can affect it or anything along those lines. And you know, nobody likes an argument in front of the rest of the group, first of all, but even more so, um, if there is a ruling on it, go with it and go with the idea of, and I, I've said this myself too, when it's something I'm not entirely sure of, I'll say, okay, for the rest of this session, this is how it's going to work. I'll look into it. And mm -hmm. DMs out there, 
look into it. It, it because it is something that's affecting gameplay. It's something that, I mean, you, you need to know to begin with. Um, in fact, gosh, what was it? There, there was something recently where I'm like, I don't entirely need to, to or I, I'm pretty sure I know how this works, but I'm going to double check it. And it had to do with, um, what was it? Uh, the, the whole multiple spell casting and how it, like it's kind of a rule, but it's not. And then does a reaction play into it? If you're like saying counterspell as a reaction, everything. So I went in, I looked at it, figured it all out, talked to the people who you know were concerned or who were confused about the ruling and everything. We hashed it out. Everything was great. And we you know, know what it's like going forward. Yeah, I'm, I had a, a similar situation to that. Um, I have a Gloom Soccer Ranger, and there was uh, some questions about getting advantage or whatever when in shadows and invisible to, to different things. Mm-hmm. I didn't know exactly what it was or what the feature was. We didn't want to slow down stuff, so I, I ruled you know, one way that no, you wouldn't get advantage for whatever. And then after the game, one of the players came and was just like, oh, hey, here's the actual ruling, and you, they would have gotten advantage here or there or whatever. And I was just like, oh, awesome. Thank you for letting me know that. I'll keep that mm-hmm. in mind for the future. And that's the, the best way to go about those types of things. Yeah, and, and even more so, um, calling attention to it at the beginning of the next session too so that everybody's on the same page is a good thing. You know, saying, hey, you know, last time we weren't sure about this. This is the way that it should be. This is the way it is going forward. And everybody's on the same page. That way, we're good. Works out really well. Yep, 100%. Um, one other thing, too, that's, I, I mean, it, it should go without saying, but sometimes people get really excited to play, really giddy about what they're doing. And you know how sometimes there are people who have their own narrative in their head of everything that's happening? Well, to make sure that you don't, you know, cause any friction between other players, drive your own character. Don't put someone else's character into a situation that, one, they might not have been wanting to do, and two, they didn't place themselves in. You know, um, a, a good example is, you know, when the town, or when the town, when the, when the party is in a town and, you know, people want to go about and do in certain things in something, don't automatically assume that, hey, I'm going to the, the, I don't know, the schoolhouse and think that the barbarian who likes to just drink and, you know, and party and stuff is going with you the whole time. And don't force them to go with you as well. And, and vice versa. If you're a, a carousing kind of individual, you know, partying kind of, uh, hey, I'm just going to drink and have a night out on the town. Don't make the, you know, fastidious or studious um, wizard come with you if that's not what they would want to do. It's very important. Drive yeah, your don't Don't character. play other people's characters. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. If they, if they want advice or they ask for advice, you're welcome to give it. But don't give unsolicited advice. Yes, very necessarily, because that can that can really rile up things mm-hmm. a lot when you're trying to play somebody else's character. Uh, but yeah, that's that's our list of of things that players can do to be to be helpful to, to DMs. Hopefully, as a player, uh, you've done some of those, or some of those uh, spark something that uh, might help you in your future games. Yeah, definitely. And I know that's just talking about this and everything. It, it reminds me too, when I'm, you know, mm-hmm. playing a game and stuff, it's, you know, we're, we're definitely not perfect players or DMS or anything like that, but uh, you know, just get, giving yourself a little kick in the butt every now and then be like, Hey, engage or, or do this the right way. It's a good thing. Agreed. Um, so before we dive into our, what we've been up to in gaming, I wanted to give uh, a shout out to all you Eberron fans out there. Uh, Keith Baker, the original creator of the Eberron setting has just released a brand new book called exploring Eberron on the DMs guild. And this is like, this is a big one, like multiple hundreds of pages type book. It's not official like Wizards of the Coast official, but it is official from the 
original Eberron setting creator that has a lot of the things that the uh, Eberron Rising from the Last War book that came out recently uh, that they couldn't fit in that mm-hmm. or stuff that expands upon that. So there's, you know, new monsters, magic items, a lot of lore, all that sort of thing. So if you're a, a big Eberron fan or you're running an Eberron campaign, uh, definitely check that out. Uh, it'd probably be a really good pickup. Yeah. Good stuff. Filling in any of the, you know, uh, actual official worlds and stuff is always a plus. And personally, I don't really know a whole lot about Eberron, so I'm kind of excited to take a look at that. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it looks, it looks very well done. Very professional. Yeah. Um, all right. So before we, uh, get out of here, we're, uh, we'll talk a little bit about what we've been doing in our DNG game. So Ben, uh, have you gotten gotten some sessions in since the last time we talked? Actually, no. Um, because we recorded a little bit later uh, last episode, that was the last session that I played in, which ended up in that bandit attack. So going back into the next session, which is hopefully next weekend, um, we'll, we'll see. We've got uh, people in town. We've got birthdays. We've got stuff going on that we're in quarantine, so a lot of it really doesn't matter. But at the same time, we want to make sure that everybody's able to do the things that they want to do and celebrate the way that they want to and everything. So not sure if it's going to happen, but it is going to be picking up day two on the road towards a little town called Wallowdale. Wallowdale. What's in Wallowdale? Um, well, you know what? Wallowdale is uh, from everything that they know. It's a halfling uh, town. And it's actually up in the mountains and everything in, you know, snow covered hills and stuff like that. It's supposed to be gorgeous. And this place has these giant greenhouses where all the halflings are able to, you know, grow their food and everything. Like they're very self-sufficient. In fact, very rarely does anybody leave this place, but uh, they're on their way up there to try to find one of these, these five orbs of creation that's, have they've been uh, kind of picking up and everything trying to thwart this cult from uh, bringing back the uh, what's known as the architect the one who made the world who wants to destroy it and try to make it again but more perfect i mean i'm sure in his mind it's a very valiant goal oh yeah and the cultists too i mean you know they want to live in a perfect world so obviously they don't understand that you know he's gonna destroy everything to make yeah. it a perfect world because, you know, they're going to live in perfection. It'll be great. Whoops. Yeah, so they haven't been there yet. And uh, I'm very excited for them to, uh, to, to get there and, and see what's uh, been going on. Awesome. Well, I'll be excited to hear about that uh, next time we talk. Sure. Yeah. How about you? I know that uh, there's been a lot going on, uh, especially with the multiple games that you've been in. Yeah, so um, I, I played in... Um, the, the one I'm in a, uh, a player in this last Friday. And it, it was kind of interesting because um, it, was, it was almost a good comparison to the downtime session I had done a few, a few weeks before mm-hmm. that. Um, and one that uh, he, he had a really good plan. The, uh, my, the DM had a really good plan. Um, there was this, this grand party and he'd set up different stations and each character was uh, basically get, got to pick and go to one of these, you know, notable people to have, to have a conversation and get, get, a, get a lore dump and all sorts of stuff like that. So and in theory, it sounded really good. Um, unfortunately, it played out um, not not near as fun as I know he was hoping it would be because there was no, there was no group activities at all in the, in the session. And then, and so each character had, you know, their, their 10 minutes or whatever with the group. But the problem was once you had it, no one else knew anything that was going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you, the, everyone else basically had to sit back and there's, you know, four or five people. And so 
uh, it was a very, it was, it was not a super interactive session. Gotcha. And it, it was one of those sessions that was hard to stay engaged because you ha- took uh, part in so little mm-hmm. of it. And, it, and we actually had a discussion a little bit about it um, afterwards. And uh, he was, he was very, very open to feedback and definitely more of the, uh, I, I love what he said, fun trumps realism. Yeah. Like realistically, the group probably wouldn't have gone to each conversation point. For fun, it probably would have been better to have smaller smaller groups and two or three of us go to two or three conversations and the other two or three go to two or three conversations or something something like that mm-hmm. to to break it up more but allow people to have more playtime. Yeah. And such. Yeah. Um, just thinking so, about it, I'm like, it interesting. Mm, like, would it work at, in like a dinner setting? I'm like, no, cause either you're at a giant table and you, you're still kind of broken up or if you, you know, we're at like a wedding or something where there's different tables set up. It, it's kind of the idea of what they had, but grouping together. Yeah. I think that it probably would have worked, worked a little better and mm-hmm. there's, there's genius in there and it can be found. It just, wasn't that time yeah exactly it's the the idea was was very good um and in theory it was very good the the execution of it was was what where where it stumbled and Mm -hmm. it's just one of those things that as a dm you're always learning you're always going to be trying new things and some of the things just won't work out as well as you wanted them to i've definitely had sessions that did not work out as well as I wanted them to. But the nice thing is you can look at that and then uh, as long as you're open and willing to learn, you can take away and get feedback and go, okay, what, what worked, what didn't work? Exactly. And what can I, what can I try again next time? And it's just one of those things where one of his takeaways was, I don't want to ever split up the party that much mm-hmm. again. For, for that type of thing. And I, I thought that was a, a very good takeaway. And so, um, and then demons invaded the party. So oh, uh, there you go. <laughs> it's, it's, it's about to get, it's about to get crazy. So uh, the, the next session will certainly start with a bang, which should be a lot of fun. And since it was a fancy party, almost no one has their weapons Ooh. on them either. So that's going to throw, I, I thought that was kind of clever. I think, so that's going to throw a whole, <laughs> a whole nother wrench into, uh, into what will certainly, I'm sure, be a, an interesting combat. Exactly. Um, uh, my main, my first campaign, uh, plays next friday um and it's going to actually be a a travel session at least in part uh i'm gonna have my own fancy party but it's gonna be a lot less uh structured it's more like the (laughs) celebration for them saving the city and uh basically just getting some some information on where they've they've decided to go um from there and then uh uh, the fun thing, the fun thing is, uh, on Saturday I, I DM my my second campaign, mm-hmm. and it's taking place in the same world at the same, roughly the same time as my first campaign is, which is super fun for me, because I can have uh, certain things cross over and certain things happen, and so they have a they have a this this party has a completely different mission over over in the mountains but the fun thing is they're having to they're going to travel to to get there they're going to be passing fairly close to the city of erringal which um for those that have been listening for a while is the city that um originally my group was supposed to go to after this cult leader had summoned this demon they had a big encounter with it um and one of the one of my clerics, deity patron, uh, planars, you know, servants basically helped intercede and save them from this this bigger threat. And so they were going to go there. Long story short, they didn't, and bad things have happened since they ignored that oh, no. plot thread 
and the you know the city at this point is completely taken over there's this giant black orb hovering uh that broke the basically the interior of the city and the it's for all they know it's stuck in the middle of this black orb hundreds and hundreds of feet long hovering in the air the whole area is just uh the dying and decaying all the the capital city of Elathar, all the people they've sent over there have been rebuffed. They haven't been able to, to break in. Um, and so it's gotten out of hand. And the party is finally going there because three or four of the six characters actually have a story connection with the place now, which, which is super interesting. Um, and then the others are going along to, to help um, because one or two of them actually just finished up some parts of their story in this, in this previous arc. So they're, they're heading there. However, my second party will be traveling near that place. And so they are actually going to be encountering some minor demons on the outskirts as, as a travel encounter on the road, which should be, which should be really fun. And then I'm going to kind of uh, bring out a little bit of a, a bigger bad to kind of show them uh, there's, there's big bad things. There's stuff you can't handle. And the situation that's going on here right now is really bad. That's pretty cool though. So that, that should be, that should be fun. It's just kind of a, the, the actions of the other party are causing, are going to cause this encounter <laughs> for the second party, which is, which is kind of cool. So well, it, it's I get to break, break out. I get to break out all the the demons and the undead monsters exactly. that I haven't got to do for a while. Exactly. And one of the things that's really cool is the fact that because the parties are interacting without really knowing they're interacting, it adds a level of just uncertainty to the world that is really cool and sounds like a lot of fun to play with. Oh yeah. Now I'm I'm very excited for for crossovers or crossovers without them knowing their crossovers which is which is kind of an interesting interesting deal but as of right now they're both both parties are fairly spread apart um and i don't necessarily plan on them intersecting at least not for not for a good long while um one of the things i do have planned though besides that encounter is i'm i'm taking a a note from one of the one of the hundred, you know, things and I'm turning, um, I'm going to have them meet this, this caravan with some guards and this guy. And, uh, it's going to be a, a drug dealer basically. And they'll, they'll, depending on how they interact, they might try to sell them some or depending on how they, uh, <laughs> how they kind of react to that. If they react too too poorly, they might get attacked or the, the, people they meet might not trust them and so it'll be really interesting to see how they handle it so it's one of those social maybe combat type encounters uh that could be could be fun so that's yeah. that's kind of my next session plans that's cool i'm i'm really looking forward to some of the potential encounters that i have for my traveling group i've i've got a couple cool things and probably some really stupid things but uh i'm I'm Sometimes letting stupid the, is fun though. Oh yeah. I, I'm totally letting the die, you know, figure out what's going to happen and uh, anything that doesn't happen, guess what? It's just saved to when they're uh, rolling back. Yeah. And happen later. That's the exactly. nice thing. Just, just retool, reskin, replace. <laughs> and it, uh, it's, it's never lost content. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our show for this week. Thank you everyone so much for listening. Uh, but Ben, before we go, why don't you tell everybody where they can find us? You bet. Um, the, the easiest place to find us is actually on dndiscussions.com. That's where you can find every single episode that we've ever had, uh, as well as all of our community uh, shout outs that we throw in there. Every single post has every single thing that, uh, well, all the audio, of course, but every community page that uh, we point you to. So check those out uh, on top of that if you want to contact us you can always send us an email that address is dndiscussions at gmail.com where we'd love to hear from you uh, love to hear about your campaign stories uh, different ideas um, I mean if there are some travel encounters that you always go with like we'd love to hear them send them our way 
um, even more so and more just like timely, I guess you could say, is uh, Twitter. You can reach out on Twitter. We are at DN Discussions. And guess what? We both have access to the accounts. We check it. We are usually able to respond a lot faster than we would with email. So if you have something you want to share or tell us about, uh, send us a tweet right there. Now, Ryan, if people are looking for you specifically, though, what's the best way to do it? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TBKZord. All right. And if you're looking at me or looking at me, well, if you're looking at me, say hi. If you're looking for me, though, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Ben Bumhofer. And, uh, you know, check out DN Discussions. If this is the first episode you've ever heard, uh, you know, check us out on iTunes, Google, and uh, also Amazon Music, where we have submitted and should hopefully be soon whenever that whole thing starts. Awesome. Well, cool. Uh, until next time, again, thank you for listening, and we will see you soon. All right. Bye, everybody, and be good to each other. <laughs>